21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the GES Gardens Elementary School Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. I started this podcast last week. We had Adam Reed on the show, who is a friend of uh, the both of us today, the guest I have on the show, Brad Trainer. Um, so I asked Brad to be on the show uh, this week. Uh, so before getting into what he's going to talk about, I'm just going to ask Brad to share his backstory with us. Share my backstory. Uh, well, I am in my 15th year of teaching. Um, I, uh, I did my first eight years in Canada. It was uh, it was great fun. Where in Canada? Uh, Peterborough, Ontario. Peterborough. Beautiful city of Peterborough, Ontario. You Canadians listening out there. That's right. Another Canadian on the show. Go Pete's go. <laughs> um, I was, uh, like I said, I was about eight years into my teaching career when I met my wife. Uh, not obviously my wife at the time, but uh, my wife now. And she had taught international uh, it didn't take long for me to convince her that uh, maybe going international again was was an option. And after just uh, a few months of uh, being together, she decided to listen to me, and we journeyed off to the beautiful city of Bangkok. Excellent. Where both of us were kindergarten teachers. It was my first real experience as a kindergarten teacher. Uh, it was interesting. Got to yeah. say, you big know, difference from teaching in Canada. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Small, small little class, small little kids, yeah. um, but uh, wonderful people. And uh, from Bangkok, we made our way to Chengdu, China, the uh, lovely home of the panda bears. Yes, you're always close to 20 yeah. million of your friends. Yeah. Um, and uh, after Chengdu, China, we went back. How long to, were you there? Uh, just a year. Okay. Um, we uh, we decided to get married. Um, after Chengdu, China, and uh, made our way back to Canada and tried to set roots in Canada. But uh, like most people that have gone international, we got the taste. Itchy feet? Itchy feet. And uh, as much as we are close to our family, something else was calling our names. And uh, that, well, that something else was Coast. We had uh, we had some mutual friends here in Coast, mm-hmm. and uh, they spoke highly of it. And you know, four years in, we're we're loving it. We see ourselves putting a few more years here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're we're here. We've uh, we've adopted a couple of Coast cats, uh, some inside, some outside, and uh, you know, really enjoying life. Love it, yeah. absolutely love it. That's what uh, Neil and I. You described the itchy feet, and anybody that teaches internationally listening listening to this will understand the itchy feet syndrome which uh, Neil and I tried to settle back in Canada. We lasted nine months. Uh, Neela was a, a nurse working the night shift in Detroit, Michigan. I was just about to, uh, I was doing, I was a counselor, had just completed my teacher training, uh, was offered a job to teach grade two, and then uh, literally we just said, you know what, let's go back to Japan. And we went back to Japan for another seven years, and that led to lots of opportunities. But... It's great to hear your backstory, and for those people listening back in Canada, always remember that uh, there's wonderful opportunities to teach abroad at our school, Kaus King Abdul University of Science and Technology, Gardens Elementary School, 
is a great place to check out. We're doing really good things here. Absolutely. So Brad is here today to talk about what? I'm here to talk about the idea of redesigning our learning spaces, um, giving our students just a little bit more agency when it comes to choices that are made within the classroom. Not only what it looks like, but how how information is going to be presented to them and how they want to show it. Yeah. And and that's a big thing I know in coming here last year, my first year, I think you and I connected early on and we started to talk about some of the work you were doing and I visited your, your classroom quite a bit last yeah. year. Yeah. And I was really interested to see how the space constantly changed, right? Yeah. But I guess take us through how your learning has changed from last year. So, you know, what kind of sparked this interest and then what did you learn last year and what have you changed this year to to take your learning to a deeper level? Well, here at House, the, the big push to, is to have a passion and to really drive that passion through inquiry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my first year was just further understanding the, the PYP, mm-hmm. um, really, really presenting it in the classroom that it was making it student-friendly. Um, year number two, I looked at a little bit of differentiation. Um, there, w- there was still something missing with my class. Um, just last, so you, you felt you were developing a better understanding of the PYP, but there was a missing element. And, Absolutely. and what, what caused you to feel that missing element? Uh, it was self-reflection. Okay. I, I sat back um, a couple of years ago and looked at my classroom. And although I loved the displays on the wall and I loved the feel of the class, it was the same as ten years prior. Um, my classes hadn't changed. Um, you know, the, the windows were in different positions, the walls were a different color, but with the exception of the different looks on the students' faces, my desks were in small groups or they were in rows, and yeah. every month I would switch those groups. And as, as much help as I thought I was being, I wasn't really innovating anything. I wasn't changing for the times. Yeah. So uh, last year we were, we were presented with this beautiful new building, and very nice building. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And that was my opportunity to really test my boundaries. How far was I willing to go? Uh, within the walls of your classroom. Within the glass walls of the, your classroom. The quote unquote walls of our classroom. That, yeah. That's it. Um, one of them completely opens up to, to nothing. And the other one is completely glass. And it mm-hmm. uh, kind of works as a, a bifold door, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, last year, when it was about October, I decided that uh, my glass wall was going to open. And it opens up into uh, a lovely area that's common mm-hmm. space for all of grade four. And you kept it open the whole year, yeah? Kept it open for the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it was one of the most powerful things I did. Because that extended the wall. So in just giving some uh, perspective from... I, I guess giving some insight from my own perspective, whenever I went in into your building, I did the first thing I noticed was the open wall and that immediate extension of learning environment, learning space. That's right. So you, in removing that wall and choosing to keep it open, you were extending kind of the, the limits of your classroom. And I saw lots of kids out in that area Absolutely. learning. And that was, that was a great thing. So just talk more to that. Yeah, well, the idea that learning doesn't just happen within our, our classrooms as uh, I don't really call it anymore. I call it my learning space or I call mm-hmm. it our students' learning space. Um, by opening up the walls, the students had that much more freedom to 
to to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had more space to work in larger groups. They had different uh, furniture that they could potentially sit on and, mm-hmm. and get some work done. But also, they felt the trust that I was giving them. They knew that I trusted them enough to be out of my eyesight, or, right. I, or trusted them to be out of my earsight even. Yeah. Um, and you know, just do brilliant things. And when, and when you back. say out of your earsight or eyesight, you don't literally mean they left the building. No. Like they were still, you could walk out and see them within a few meters away. Yeah. But you were creating the, these, uh, these learning spaces that gave them, for those students that wanted an isolated space to work privately, they had that option. Exactly. Yeah. To, to assume that a student can only work in a four-walled classroom it would, would be very unjust. Yeah. Um, giving them the opportunity to find a place within our building that would help their learning. Perhaps it was under a window to get some natural light. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it was on a couch, slightly sprawled out, yeah. uh, getting comfortable. Uh, you know, learning looks many different ways. It yeah. doesn't look like sitting in rows. Yeah. And uh, I, I think really last year I, I opened up my wall and opened up my mind. And you the, also removed your own desk, right? Absolutely. So that was one other thing. So talk about your own space and how that changed. So I, I had to talk to the students about what they wanted in the classroom. And some of them wanted to be away from the teacher's desk. Some of them wanted to be right at the teacher's desk. And I was kind of bound where my desk was because of the hookups for, for our smart boards and the hookups for the sound systems. Um, so I, I gave it up to them and I, I took everything out of the classroom one day. Mm-hmm. And the students came in bright and early Sunday morning. And We start school on Sunday here, by the way, for those Canadians and Americans and right. other people around the world listening. Sunday uh, is our Monday. Yes, Sunday is our Monday. Yeah. And uh, the students came in and thought it was thought it was a provocation um, and, and par- it partially was um, it, I was provoking them to kind of tell me what they wanted their classrooms to look like and before we even touched a piece of furniture the students broke broke into small groups and they were drawing and they were talking and there was writing on the board and they wanted the, the teacher workspace to be dead center in the classroom. Yeah, I remember that. So they, yeah. they parked you. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah, accountability. <laughs> accountability, right? And, uh, and and right away, I cr- they had desks around my desk. Yeah, and, and that was their comfort zone. That was their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, we had some, some, some cushions. We had a lot of pillows. I had a, yeah. a, a bit of a bench underneath my windows. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally remember that last year. Yeah, didn't really have a lot of extra furniture um, because obviously most of the stuff was, was ordered last year as I was thinking about it. And sometimes to get things here, it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. So we did what we could work with. Uh, and uh, the students were great about it. I had, uh, I had some students that were sensitive to light, so they wanted the lights off. Mm-hmm. So if the kids were okay with it, we turned the lights off. Mm-hmm. If some of them weren't, they worked in an environment that had more natural light. Yeah, because um, there is a lot of natural light, so it wasn't dark at all. No. Yeah. Um, but the students just started realizing as soon as I was giving them the freedom, uh, they were also giving each other the freedom to try something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, were, they were figuring out what it was about the classroom that was helping their learning. And they went as far as changing their learning environment at home. They were recognizing what I was doing in the classroom was also helping them uh, in in home. Um, This year, um, I was like... Well, just before you get into this year, I just wanted to say that it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and, and, you know, 
we had our own bedrooms and you know the feeling of cleaning your room out and rearranging it yep. that satisfying feeling of having your room look different right. and you wanted to spend time in it right. and then when you got bored of it you changed it around so as kids most kids have freedom to change their own rooms so we remember what that's like as a kid. So imagine when, when what you've done, handing ownership over to the kids to redesign the learning space, that feeling of satisfaction, trust, responsibility, their space. Like So you are essentially one fifteenth. How many kids do you have this year? 17. So you are one eighteenth of that class. That's right. You know, And you feel that. I feel that when I go into your space. Yeah. So I think that's something that I really wanted to uh, share. But anyways, going into this year. Yeah. Going into this year, uh, we, we got an order, got a lot of yoga balls. Um, my, my friend Adam, who you had on the, on the podcast last week, um, he's, he's a learning environment guy too. He's so him and I, stuff. absolutely. Yeah. We, we've bounced ideas off each other. And he's seen some things in my classroom that I, I've seen that he's uh, brought into his. I've seen some things in his classroom that I've brought into mine. And uh, it just kind of worked with, uh, with, with the Arabic seating that I have at the back of the class and, and yoga balls and bean bags. Yeah. The, the students are, are not, never sitting in the same spot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if there is a situation where a student may not be working at their full potential, I don't ask them to move. Uh, I ask them if they're in the perfect learning position or in the best. Perfect learning, learning position. Yeah. Excellent. Or if they're in their appropriate learning environment. Yeah. Um, and that usually redirects them because the whole idea of flexible seating, they don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really do feel empowered by the fact that I don't make them sit in groups. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm down to two desks in my class. Yeah. And those two desks have not been sat in all year. So it's just I mean, a matter of time before they're, they're on the Data way. right there to show that the, what the kids really really want yeah. and what they really choose to choose as their learning space Absolutely. right so um i guess anybody listening to this because there may be music teachers listening to this art teachers PE teachers administrators whoever it is um what is your advice uh in regards to a they might have already started doing something like this but what is your advice for them to take it to a deeper level more meaningful level the the big thing with me was the handover of power. Um, for 15 years of teaching, I've I well up until this year, I guess um, I've always felt like I was looked at as being a little bit more important. Mm-hmm. The the respect I got was more for my position as opposed to to me. Um, as I started handing over power, I quickly realized that that respect was because they could feel the respect that they were getting from me. Yes. Um, so if I had any advice, you know, it would be let the kids decide what the classroom is going to look like. Um, we as teachers, we're flexible. We're, we're able to change. If we're asking 17 of our students to change for our teaching style, maybe we should reflect and think it's our teaching style that needs to change for our 17 students. Yeah. And that was a big realization for me. Um, it, it really did have me get to know my students a little bit better. And at the end of last year, having given as much power as I could potentially give to my students, there was a loss. I could feel like I had just lost my students, um, mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And that was hard. It, mm-hmm. uh, 
after 14 years of teaching last year, um, it was it was nice to feel like I was going to miss those kids. I was mm-hmm. going to really miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when my students came in this year, it was wow. We only have three walls. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we're loud? I said, well, if we're loud, then other classes are going to hear us. Yeah. And it, it's not a matter of needing to make rules to accommodate the changing classroom. It's you know, modifying our behavior to recognize that there's people that could be affected by it. Exactly. And, and that's that idea of kids walking down the hallway having to be quiet is, I think, not necessary. Because when you teach them respect, you know, when you're walking through a shopping mall, everybody doesn't walk on one side and, you know, you learn to walk respectfully through the crowd and, right. and you know, monitor your behavior and stuff like that. So I think it's like handing ownership of behavior over to them as well, and which... I guess, just instills that sense of responsibility. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, I I was raised in a family that you're you're accountable for your actions. Yeah. um, But you needed the opportunity to make the wrong mistakes. To make mistakes. To learn. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm just giving my students choices. They can can choose to do what's best for their learning. Yeah. Or they can choose to often be redirected. Yeah. Um, And... They, they love that. Yeah. They love the fact that I don't have to walk them down the hallway, that I trust that they'll make it there on time and respectful. Uh, it, it was really one of those things that it, it connected us after just a couple of weeks. They were happy to be in my yeah. class. Or, so we were happy to be in the same class. Yeah. It's not my class. And I, I, think, I think that idea of what you, what you nailed earlier was a critical self-reflection. And that's really important and really thinking about your teaching practice and then making the necessary changes. So I think of, you know, music teachers or PE teachers really handing over what to the students what they want the space to look like. And administrators saying, you know, kids, how do we want this common space designed? There's lots of opportunities to do it. So, uh, Brad, I want to thank you for being on the show, John Davidson and I are going to do a follow-up on this, listen to this, and uh, share our own thoughts about uh, the work you're doing um, to get people really thinking uh, about the work that they do, the listeners of this podcast. So, Brad, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very much. And uh, tell us where you can be found on Twitter. On Twitter is at TrainerBrad1980. T-R-A-Y-N-O-R. That's right. Yeah. And uh, also at brad.trainer at the coast, at, sorry, at coast.edu.sa. Okay, and I'll put that in the show notes. So, everybody, thank you for listening to the second episode of uh, the Gardens Elementary School Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. We hope you come back each week to listen to uh, more. Next week, Kristen Anson. Kristen Anson. Okay, see you, everybody. Actually, one important thing that I forgot you wanted to talk about, Brad, uh, you wanted to give a couple shout-outs to the people who have influenced your work, so who are those people? Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Um, At Ideas Guy, um, Robert Dillon has uh, has written quite a few books on the learning environment, and I've not only read a couple of his books, but I've followed him on Twitter, and uh, he's just marvelous. He really understands what students need. I've followed his work. He's, He's really good at what he does. And then there's a teacher named Taryn Bond-Clegg. Um, I believe she used to work in uh, Kuwait. I have a lot of friends that, that know who she is um, at Making Good Humans. Um, again, another wonderful blog. She's connecting students to talk about stu- student agency. Um, so two very important people that uh, if you're going to follow on, on Twitter about uh, student agency and the learning environment. 
Those are the two that you should yeah, go for. Yeah, and I think it's good that we added this in because it's really important to recognize people who influence us. Absolutely. So I don't mind adding this part back in. So there we go. So thank everybody, you. thank you again for listening. As always, we are going to close off each uh, Insightful Classroom series uh, with the curriculum coordinator, John Davidson, and myself just giving a, a mini reflection into what we heard. So John's with me right now, and he's going to share his thoughts related to the episode with Brad. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's um, always a joy walking into Brad's classroom. You never know, <laughs> know quite what to expect because he's always got some new slant on where he's he's positioned. It's not desks anymore. You know, There's a few mm. desks here, and it's, it's uh, cushions, and it's chairs, and it's everything like that. He's a very thoughtful teacher. And I loved the way he pulled a lot of strands into one sort of project, if you like. He looked at the environment, but it was not just about where do I put my desks. It was about student agency. It was also about the ways in which students learn. So he actually makes the students highly aware of the ways in which they learn. And I think that's a way forward. I think learning styles is is a little bit of a contentious issue now. I'm not sure you have a learning style. He was asking the students, are, are you in the best position mm-hmm. to learn? And that makes them aware. It's like metacognition. Yeah, and the one thing I like in, in going into his classroom, so in addition to what you're saying is in getting to know his students, I'm still getting to know them this year, but I was really familiar with the students last year. And I could see how some days some students would gravitate towards uh, being alone and working alone. Mm-hmm when they would normally want to work on teams. Mm-hmm. So Brad allows for that, and, and he constantly reminds the kids to be aware of, of how they learn best or how they feel that day, and mm-hmm. then honor that, that by giving them total freedom to decide mm-hmm. where they want to go, including outside. You know, he calls the classroom, he has three walls because the glass wall is open, but going outside of that space even, uh, outside the classroom, on the couches mm-hmm. out there. So he really honors them, and I, I really uh, I really appreciate that in his teaching style. And I guess for me, it was about his ability to be critically self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, so many teachers are doing good things, but I think that element of critical self-reflection, which Brad has demonstrated, which he talked about that idea of, teaching for 15 years or however long it was when he realized his space was the same mm-hmm. he was teaching the same mm-hmm. so to be critically self-reflective is not beating yourself up mm-hmm. but it's really demonstrating that growth mindset and and saying you know i need to learn i need to move forward and for this this has not only been a passion project of his but it has resulted in enhanced learning and uh, student empowerment student agency which is extremely um fulfilling to him mm-hmm. professionally so i really i think that's a great thing that yeah. he has demonstrated yeah he's not only got itchy feet when he comes to move uh, moving countries but he's got itchy feet in his classroom yeah it's never exactly the way he wants it yeah that's great yeah so um those are our thoughts related to brad trainer's uh podcast that we recorded yesterday uh next week we're going to have Kristen Anson, our visual arts teacher from elementary here on the show. So everybody, thank you very much for listening, and we hope you come back to listen to the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.